when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Carousel talk, is that something you just ignore? Yeah, yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And so, yes, to answer your question. I'm the man to go get it done with this staff, with this team, with this program. There's not anybody left standing after 2015. All right, I am. And I know what it takes. You build in together, you fight together, and you go find a way to get it done. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. We got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Breton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, I'm doing good, Shane. The rumor mill is ramping up all across the SEC. We got an opening, obviously, at Arkansas. Might have a couple more openings here, Shane, the way things are going. (laughs) But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into all that, but... And we do have another amazing clip. And at this point, Shane, I think we're just presenting these just to will this man to the SEC. <laughs> Let's kick it over to Mike Leach talking about student loan debt. I get uh, to the University of Kentucky. <clears throat> I'm able to make monthly payments on my student loan. And you can do the math. This was a lot of years. Um, it wasn't until my second year second year as head coach at Texas Tech that I got my student loans paid for. So uh, so needless to say, this would I spend a week? Would I spend a week in jail to get rid of my student loans? I would have spent three months in jail to get rid of my student loans, and I would have done it happily. And eventually, before it was all said and done, I'd be, leave, I'd be leaving, leading prison calisthenics and stuff like that. You know, uh, request, requesting certain menu items, stuff like that, you know, uh, g- going to the best shank builder and get a good shank, you know, for if I needed anything like that. you damn right I would have gone. I, I, I would have gone for three months. That thing has been, that thing has been a, a, a corrupt mess for a long, long, long time. A week? Uh, I, I mean, I, I would have been, I would have been like that, uh, Leprechaun on the damn Lucky Charms if they said, okay, one week, all your student loans are erased. I would have gone in the hole for one week. Any other uh, questions for Coach? All right, thanks, Coach. All right, that's it. You just never know what you're going to get from this damn guy, Shane. (laughs) Football press conference talking about student loans, something that I unfortunately know all too well about. Uh, I just thought this was a great answer. Dude, you just can't. I mean, you cannot have college football without the old Shank Shack, you know? <laughs> uh, the leech needs to come, man. I know everybody's everybody's high on some of these other coaches, but damn, it'd just be so fun to have. And and I think he I think he does have a little something. You know, I, I saw one of your guys getting on to him say, Who wants an eight and four coach? And I'm like, I'm sitting there as a Tennessee fan on a bubble of getting into a bowl game, like, you know, eight and four is not bad, you know? <laughs> I mean, come 
gee, who wouldn't want? There's a lot of teams that would love to be have an eight and four coach right now. Well, the thing you're referencing, Shane. Someone asked me. I called Mike Leach a winner, just a pure winner, and that's you know that's what a lot of schools just need at this moment. Mm-hmm. And the guy says, "What in the hell's he ever won? He's eight and four coach lifetime." And I don't know if people. I'm not that great at math, Shane, but eight and four that is a winning record. I'd say about uh, two thirds of the SEC would be happy with eight and four. I know we all want national championships, we all want SEC championships, but you got to get to eight and four before yeah. you can uh-huh. do that. If if Morris was eight and four at the end of this season, do you think he's losing his job? He's probably yep. getting an extension. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking, man. He's getting an extension for sure. So, uh, man, yeah, some people just. I don't know. I I, was, uh, I can't imagine. I eight and four. I can't wait to get back to eight and four seasons, man. Mm-hmm. Well, sure. We got some action, so let's go around the league. But before we do, uh, this slate kind of is really rough. I'm talking not the one we're currently in. We got some good football lined up, but week thirteen. Let's jump to that real quick because the SEC here on Monday, as they always do, announced the kickoff and TV schedules for two weeks in advance. So we're going to break down the uh, Week 13 kickoffs here quickly, Shane. We don't. We only got a couple matchups here that are really even worth discussing. So we'll start <laughs> with the SEC CBS Game of the Week. This should be a good one. Texas A&M at Georgia. First time these two have met as SEC opponents. Of course, 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central. That's going to be a good one. Arkansas at LSU. That's going to be the 7 o'clock Eastern kick, 6 <laughs> 6 o'clock Central on ESPN, and then Tennessee at Missouri, Shane. Volunteers, I think they're locked in that night spot. 7.30 Eastern, 6.30 Central on SEC Network. And the rest of the slate, it's pretty rough, Shane. Noon, we got Western Carolina at Alabama, Sanford at Auburn. Those are going to be, they haven't finalized the channel yet. UT Martin at Kentucky, 3.30 Eastern on SEC Network. ETSU at Vanderbilt, also 3.30 Eastern. And then we got uh, Abilene Christian. You don't, you don't want to miss the Christians. <laughs> at Mississippi State, 7.30 Eastern on SEC Alternate. So like I said, it's a rough slate. We got about three games. It's going it's to be hard to get a whole week's content on that that podcast. But uh, <laughs> thoughts? Uh, any thoughts on those? Any standouts there? Woof. That's what I say, you know. <laughs> Tennessee loves that 7.30 spot, don't they? I mean, I think we've done – Have we? Ha- it's either noon or 7.30. There's no happy medium with Tennessee, you know. So, uh, But it's it's honestly the one of the better games that's going to be on that weekend. But, mm-hmm. guys, I, I can't stress this enough. Enjoy it. Even though it's Texas – what is it called? Abilene? Abilene Christian Abilene at Christian? Mississippi yeah. State freaking love it man because you know what there's only 12 games during the season and we're almost to the tail end of this thing so uh love the college football even if it's a even if it's just a terrible game it is actual college football because right around the corner is that off season Mm -hmm. etsu at vandy you're gonna be loving that one shane Oh. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. I yes, yes, I am. I mean, I, I I'd okay. rather have okay. that than uh than anything. I mean, because you know how it is. Then it's just the pros, and then you got the Super Bowl, and then it's you XFL. Know, it, I mean, maybe when are they rolling that XFL out? Do you know? 
Shane, I don't even want to go down that damn okay. rabbit hole. <laughs> okay, as long as it's not right after the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. you know, I hope they do a little bit better with this. But, yeah, no, okay, uh, that's all I got. Just love right. love your ETSU and Vanderbilt games. I got you. All right, Shane, you ready to go around the league? Yeah, let's do it. Now let's go now around let's the go league. Around the league. Uh, my, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think, I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys! Hey! I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you! All right, Shane, let's kick it off here in Athens. Kirby Smart met with the media here on Monday. Of course, this is the biggest game here in Week 12, Auburn hosting the Bulldogs. You know, so let's break down this game a little bit before we get to the coach's comment here. But, you know, we hit on it a little bit on yesterday's podcast, just the fact that, you know, arguably the two best defenses in the SEC going head-to-head. The thing, though, here, Shane, what has beaten Auburn this year? Obviously, Florida and LSU, Kyle Trask, Joe Burrow. I know Jake Fromm's not getting that kind of love this season, but he's not necessarily been, you know, it's not like he's trash or anything. He did have the bad South Carolina game, and it's a big Mm -hmm. reason why the Bulldogs lost that game. But, you know, this could be a different caliber of quarterback that uh, Auburn, this Auburn defense has not had a ton of success with. But I know you hit on the point that Georgia may not have the weapons that uh, LSU and Florida had. That could be the difference. Uh, how do you think uh, Jake from this Georgia offense with a little bit of a banged-up offensive line, how do you think they match up against Auburn's defense and specifically uh, that elite defensive line? That's what concerns me is just because – you know, we've got a banged up offensive line for Georgia. We've got a running game that is their bread and butter, and that's what Auburn's really good at stopping. And so it does concern me because I think it's going to come down to quarterback play after that. And the last time we saw that was, uh, uh, honestly, the Florida-Georgia game. But, mm-hmm. you know, Fromm still made it happen, you know. He still showed the nation that he is one of the better quarterbacks in the country, and he was able to find a way to win. So I think even with more time, with more chemistry, if Cager comes back healthy, I think they'll be fine. But you definitely can't re- you can't do what you've done in the past and just lean heavy on the run. You've got to be more of a balanced team if you're going to beat Auburn. Mm-hmm. And you hit on Lawrence Cager, the receiver, Shane. Offensive lineman Trey Hill as well. Just wanted to make this note. Kirby Smart said on Monday they both should be fine. They're expected at practice all week. We'll see if that holds up. They're certainly going to need Cager. I mean, I know George Pickens. We'll get to him in just a minute. But Lawrence Cager's clearly been the go-to guy for the Bulldogs this season. I'm not – I don't want to say if he's out, you know, there's no chance they win. That's certainly – not accurate to say, but I think they're really going to need him 
based on everything we've seen so far this season from the Bulldog offense. But Auburn, I think, was really stifled, obviously, when they played Florida in the ground game. Mm-hmm. And that was huge. I mean, that was basically why Auburn struggled. Remember, if you can recall back to that Florida game, they, I believe they tried like a crazy fake punt and they <laughs> didn't get it. And then Auburn turned around and scored. But yeah, that was basically all the offense Auburn had that day because they couldn't get that ground game going. Georgia obviously not allowed a rushing touchdown the entire season. What are the chances you think Auburn playing at home? Maybe a little bit different, but chances that Auburn breaks that streak and chances that uh, I'm not going to say that Auburn's going to go running wild on Georgia, but do you think they'll have any success here against the Bulldogs? I think that it, I mean, it tremendously helps that it's at home. And I mean, we saw when Bo Nix has gotten really rattled, it seems to be on the road. You know what I'm saying? And something that they've really struggled. So the fact that this one's at home, I think really helps Bo quite a bit. You know, something that you've talked about in the past, to get Auburn's offense going, you've got to establish the run game. And this is another team. I mean, as much as we're talking about Auburn's defense, you know, Georgia's defense hasn't allowed. I mean, they're right now they're averaging 74 yards rushing against that defense a game. You know, they're 10 points uh, a game is their average, 17.4 for Auburn. So I, I expect a low-scoring game. And But I think both these teams are still going to try to run the ball, and Auburn has to because if we've seen it. When Auburn's not able to run the ball, mm-hmm. they look bad. Uh, you saw it against Florida. If they can't get the running going, then this is not a team that you want shooting it out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to Kirby Smart who previewed this matchup, you know, looking at Auburn's offense and, and the difficulties that it presents a defense. Obviously, Kirby Smart's got a ton of experience facing this Gus Malzahn offense on an annual basis, uh, both at Georgia and at Alabama. And then uh, on the performance of his defense, I thought this was a particularly interesting comment, Shane, where, you know, he's not calling out his guys, but and often it seems like, I don't want to call this a no-name defense, you know, but that's a term other you know, coaches have used for their defense when they don't have any, you know, Hall of Famers or, as he says here, first-round picks. Mm-hmm. Now, these guys could certainly develop into that down the line, but I, I agree with kind of what he's saying. There's no superstars, no Roquan Smith, what have you, no DeAndre Baker manning this defense, but in a way that can kind of make your defense better. And then finally here, I just thought this was kind of an important nugget Obviously, the longtime Auburn commit, George Pickens. You know, we all know the story. Signed with Georgia, obviously, but I just thought his comments on that, on his freshman receiver, I thought they were kind of interesting. And uh, on just the battles that Georgia and Auburn, we know they play every year, but it's basically the same thing on the recruiting trail, and it's it's going to be that way to the end of time, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's very different. They they do a good job of uh, changing things up. You you throw in the tempo with it. You throw in some of the most elite speed guys in the country on the perimeter, and um, you, what you get a recipe for is potential big plays. And uh, they do a good job of attacking your perimeter and your edges. I mean, he's he has the the ability to get on the perimeter with every play, but also pound you and grind you. You know, a lot of teams don't aren't committed to the run, and they don't run uh, gap scheme plays, and they don't they don't run things like that. Where these guys are not 
you know, they have they have all the runs. They have a little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little bit of this. But in every one of them, they got the ability to get the ball on the perimeter. So, and they've got players to get it on the perimeter with. So he does a good job changing that up. Kirby, when you when you think about the best defenses you've coached uh, in your career, um, how, how does this one characteristically or, or some of the traits they have compare to you know say 2011 where you had a lot of uh, talent that went on to the NFL the next year? Uh, what, what stands out about this defense? Uh, the number one thing that stands out is their work ethic. I mean, they 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 they, they work really hard every day. Um, the meetings, the the game planning meetings are a joy to be in because they're very interactive. Meaning they communicate with you. They don't just sit there and listen. They answer questions. They ask questions. Um, they take on a personality of their defensive staff, which is energetic and uh, and play hard. Um, I mean, you're always going to have certain qualities with a good defense, which is physical, fast, uh, good good open field tacklers. Um, they've got some of those same traits as the the good defenses I've been able to be around. But um, this group probably doesn't have just the star elite uh, player. There's no guy on there that you can say is just you know some going to be a first round pick. That's not what this is made of. It's made of of a group of guys that uh, buy into doing it the right way and play team defense, and uh, and we've been very fortunate with that and got to continue to do that. Down the stretch run, you got to be able to tackle and not give up big plays. With George Pickens in this figuring to be an emotional game for him given it's back in his home state and some of the things Auburn players said about him last year, do you manage him any differently this week knowing that it is going to be you know a big game for him? Yeah, they're all big. I mean, they were big. I, I realize what you're pointing at and saying, but it being emotional that he was a – uh, committed to them for a long time, but that's doesn't take away from what happens when you step inside the lines. I mean, when you step inside the lines, you got to go execute. You got to focus on the task at hand. You got to block out all the the noise and uh, outside stuff, and you got to go play. So that doesn't change week to week. Coach, can you give us some of the backstory on George Pickens? When did you know you were going to get him? When did he call you and say, "Hey, I'm coming to Georgia"? Kind of the backstory of his recruitment, if you will. Uh, George was a kid that we recruited all the way throughout and uh, came over to a couple home games. Um, we had him over in the summer. I mean, he's he's a kid that had been here several times. He played on a seven-on-seven team out of uh, Georgia, and so he got to spend a lot of time with uh, a lot of the kids we recruited. Um, and didn't really know till very late, forgetting exactly when it was, but I thought in our home visit it was very obvious that he uh, was thinking about making some change. He saw the ability to throw the ball at our place and he saw three guys leaving you know and he once once we had three guys leave our team two left early and a tight end and a back it cleared things up for him that he thought he was going to be able to have an impact and um, decided to come Kirby when you watch the uh, Auburn film I'm sure you see a lot of guys from Georgia that that you know pretty well from their high school tape or evaluating them is that uh, much different than other SEC teams, I know everyone recruits this state, but uh, you know, and and if, when you guys recruit as well as you do nationally, um, is there some tough decisions to make regarding guys in Georgia that you know maybe take a kid from somewhere else? There's always tough decisions. There's tough decisions on Georgia kids, the Georgia kids. I mean, there's just, just tough decisions. Period in recruiting because number one, you can't get everybody you want, and you want to get the ones you want, and you're never 100 percent on the ones you do want. So you, uh, you you have to make really hard decisions. You try to make them based on intangible factors and things that you think are critical to their success and uh, and to your needs. And um, there are a lot of Georgia kids, as you look down this roster, there's kids that we recruited hard that, um, that they beat us on, and then there's some that, that they didn't. But at 
the end of the day, the, the state line that you grew up in probably doesn't matter in this game, just like we've got some Alabama kids. Um, at the end of the day, it's going to be about how you play. All right, Shane, so this is a, a big reason why this rivalry is so great. I mean, these these schools are very close to one another. Yes, they're in different divisions, but obviously, you know, they're cross-division rivals, so they play every year. And Georgia goes into Alabama recruits. Auburn comes into Georgia for recruits. I mean, this is just a year-long battle every day. It means so much to both these fan bases. Uh, thoughts on what uh, Kirby had to say there? Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is the large. Isn't this the longest rivalry in the SEC? I believe so. Yeah. yeah I mean, this is some. I think that's what it was. It was them, and then it was Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Tennessee, Kentucky. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, this thing goes way back. And you know, if you think more recent, I mean, yeah, last year it, Georgia was able to get away with that game. But if you remember the year before, you know, Auburn won, and then. Georgia won in the SEC championship. So, I mean, these guys, you know, I, I think it's big for, for Pickens, of course, but I think it's bigger for some of these players that are on this team, you know, that's been a part of uh, both sides, a win and a loss here in this rivalry. So, um, yeah, this there's, there's no love loss in this game for sure. And Georgia can obviously clinch the SEC East with a win here. It's going to be difficult going on the road and doing it, but that's something – but, you know, obviously it's good. it makes it much more difficult on the road, but if they drop this one somehow, then that next game against Texas A&M becomes all that more important. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's, there's a lot of pressure on Georgia to get this one done. And obviously they, if they lose it, I think if they lose any game, even in the SEC championship, I think their playoff hopes are, are done. Dude, there's a lot of pressure on this game. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Auburn still is, is – Great. I mean, they are hanging on for dear life for the opportunity to make a, you know, the playoffs. And Georgia's, the, I mean, the same way. I mean, they they kind of control their own destiny. But one little slip up, man, and I'm telling you, there's a lot of teams on the edge of their couch waiting for them to mess up. Mm -hmm. Now let's kick it over to Auburn, Shane, where War Damn Eagle. Gus Malzahn, he didn't hit on him a ton because this is from his Sunday presser. It's a little bit quicker. This is such a big game. We wanted to, you know, have all the available comments we had here. Uh, thoughts on the Tigers, Shane? Because, you know, it seems like what was that last game they had Ole Miss before the bye, and mm -hmm. there was, you know, players calling out the, not necessarily the fans, but just kind of the atmosphere of the stadium. This was not an entertaining game. It seems like, you know, I don't know if you saw this, Shane, but Paul Feinbaum, you know, was calling out for, Gus to finally take that Arkansas job. I mean, for whatever reason, Auburn fans were mocking people saying eight and four is not good enough. Mm -hmm. I mean, this guy is, he's knocking on the door of a nine win season and it's a lot of people are not satisfied with it. Uh, how much pressure is on Gus Malzahn in this one, Shane, to get this one done? And uh, I, don't, I don't know. It just, it just always seems to be a, a drama saga field story there at Auburn, but it was the same way two years ago. He turns around and beats Georgia, beats Alabama. They give him that huge extension. So it can change in a in damn 24 hours here of the love-hate relationship that he's got down there. But it's just a very odd dynamic there down at Auburn. It's it's extremely bipolar, you know. And to get – I mean, it's honestly like night and day. If, these guys, if he's able to get this victory against Georgia, dude, they're going to be right back on the Gus bus. But – 
if he drops this one, man, or if he, I mean, you talk about the boo birds coming out early. They were out last week or when, you know, when they were playing Ole Miss Mm -hmm. and uh, they won the game. They were up most of the game. So it's just, they weren't happy with winning. And so what's going to happen when they drop one to Georgia, a team that they think they should beat? Like, if not now, then when? You know, I mean, you've got one of the best defensive fronts in the entire country. If if you're not going to stop the best running team in the country, if not now, then when? So uh, what worries me about Auburn is you got Alabama right around the corner. And so here you've got two, uh, two, you've got two potential losses. And I don't, I don't know. I, I think, I don't think they can afford to, to get rid of Gus, but man, it's going to be a long, it's going to be another long off season. And they're going to have to hear down there media days. Is he on the hot seat again? You know? Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this way, Shane. Let's say they split. It doesn't really matter to me which one they win, Georgia or Alabama. Mm-hmm. I know they're not favored to win either, but only a three point dog in this one. So, you know, it certainly would not be shocking if Auburn won this game. If I was going to tell you, and I know you were out on Gus leading into the season, but so were a lot of people. And so were, you know, when you look at that schedule, he was build, hyping it up as the nation's toughest. A lot of people said it was the toughest. If you're an Auburn fan, preseason, and someone says, hey, you're going to start a true freshman quarterback. He's going to play the whole way. He's going to be up and down. But you're going to go 9-3. and three. I mean, what a, how many Auburn fans are saying, no, nah, that's not good enough? Oh... <sighs> I don't know, Mike. I mean, I, I don't think any of them are given they, that scenario. But they knew they knew they were going to have a freshman. There was no question it was going to be a freshman quarterback, you know. But we've been told all offseason how great this defense was, and it didn't matter who's going to be a quarterback because they're going to be in every freaking game. And you know, it's it's how they've lost. You know, so there's just some boneheaded mistakes that they've made along the way, especially in that Florida game that it just it didn't feel like the adjustments were made and and you blame the coach because he he's wearing the hat he's he's calling the plays so when the plays are going great everybody loves them but then when they go bad they they he can't blame anybody else it's him mm-hmm. well let's kick it over to him Shane before you kick him <laughs> off a cliff here uh, Gus Malzahn on Georgia and their outstanding run defense on how much better Bo Nix is when he plays at home. And then kind of similar comments here to Kirby Smart on how many players from Georgia that are on Auburn's roster and just what this game means to all these guys. Remember guys like Derek Brown, that was a big-time get that Auburn got from Georgia. They've got a lot of defensive linemen they play. I mean, and when they put other guys in there, they're really in the drop-off. Um, real impressed, obviously, with the run defense. I don't think they've given up a rushing touchdown the whole season, which that hadn't happened what the last 20 years in college football. So that tells you a lot. Um, I think they're solid on the back end too. They got some guys that can really run. And like I said, I mean, we're playing, you know, one of the more talented uh, teams in the entire country, maybe the most talented, but, uh, but they're impressive to watch on film. Well, I think it's, it's helping a lot. I mean, I think it helps a whole lot. Um, you know, you're exactly right. We're playing some very talented teams here towards the end. But, you know, at the same time, he's got good experience. And even though there were some tough things on the road, you know, you you learn from them, you grow from them. Um, but like I said, I, I, it's completely different when you're playing at home. And, uh, you know, you can hear a lot better. You can operate a lot better. And, and uh, the clock issues running down is not – 
uh, not the same. So, you know, I think that's a real positive that we're playing at home specifically for him. Yeah. Well, I think you just said it. I, th I think you're exactly right. We, we've been coaching against each other a long, long time and know each other well. But I think more than anything, it gives you a chance to go back, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and just kind of look at yourself and still, you know, check your tendencies out, reevaluate things or whatever that is um, to give the best plan possible. So in off weeks, it's not just about the next opponent. It's good to have a little extra time. But a lot of times you get a chance to really look at yourself and, and we've done that. You know, we went back just like we did the the first time, but you have a little more information than you did, you know, the the, the first half of the season. You said last week you thought both were Yeah, I think so. I mean we're right here on the border and you know, every year we're gonna have a lot of players from Georgia. And uh, so, you know, that's that's one of our main states we recruit. And uh, our guys understand that and uh, we've had a lot of success with players from from Georgia, and uh, but yeah, our, our, our coaches and, and the recruits uh, they do understand that. All right, Shane. So you think this game means a lot to the Auburn fans? It means a lot to these players that are from Georgia. I can I can only imagine when they have when they go back home for break and all this. How how many how much red and black they see and all their you know friends and relatives and stuff. Well, probably their relatives are Auburn fans now, but you know what I mean. So much surrounded by Georgia Bulldog Nation. It uh, this is one that uh, every Auburn guy wants, but these guys from Georgia, I think they want it a little bit more. I mean, again, I think every game's important. You know, I, I hate to just say that this one means more because they're a little bit closer. Because you know these. These all these guys were recruited to. If you look at all these four and five star athletes on these teams, I guarantee mm -hmm. they've got Georgia uh, offers. They've got Florida offers. They've got. I mean, there it's a small network uh, when you're talking about this 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 talent base that they've been able to pick from. So, no, I love these guys played together. A lot of these people live near to, near each other. I mean, this is a this is a this is a very big. It's the like I said, it's the oldest rivalry. So. Uh, I think there's a lot riding on the game, but I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot more riding on the coaches going into this game. You know, here's here's Kirby. You know, he he dropped the South Carolina game, but he still is in the captain's seat. You know what I'm saying? And if he mm -hmm. drops this game, man, you talk about the pressure of you know. Yeah, he can recruit, but can he coach? You know, a lot of people are thinking this is his year and same thing with Gus. They, they keep, you know, just as soon as you get out on Gus, he, he puts together some mastermind game plan and comes out with a victory. And you're just like, damn, that's the coach we signed up for. Why does he not do that every time? So I think there's more pressure on the coaches than there are the players in this one. Hmm. That's an interesting take, but I think he might be right. All right, Shane, let's kick it down to Baton Rouge. Go Tigers. We're LSU, the number one team in the nation now. They've just been validated, finally beat Alabama, and <laughs> hell, even beat them on the road to make that even more impressive. It basically dominated for about all but a quarter of that game. So there's going to be a ton of hype. I mean, they're all over ESPN, they're all over SportsCenter, SEC Nation, all over this podcast. I know, I know this podcast really gets to them. <laughs> But Shane, now the big question mark. We've we kind of hit on it before, but this is something, and I could tell in this presser. I mean, every damn question he's getting. You know, Joe Burrow is he gonna win the Heisman? You know, college football playoff. 
what does you know what does this win do for recruiting what does it do for the program what does it do for you all these people that said you were a joke of a hire it's like so a lot of these people they're they're asking all these questions like lsu just won the damn national championship that's right so how lsu responds we're gonna find out uh coach o talked about it but I just want to get your thoughts shane how big of i mean it's, it's very easy to say the right things but how big? I don't know if you saw the video. Did you see the video, Shane, where the team's coming back and Joe Burrow's high fiving? Seemed like ten thousand people were at the yeah. airport to uh-huh. greet him. I mean, uh-huh. there. I can only imagine all the things being thrown at them right now. <laughs> but it would must be great to be an LSU Tiger in the state of Louisiana right now. Mm-hmm. But how big of a distraction is that going to be playing an Ole Miss team that's your huge favorite? Uh, going on the road makes it even a little bit more of a challenge. Uh, thoughts on how focused LSU is going to be for this Ole Miss game? You know, it's funny because as I'm listening to him, I'm like, you know what? Somebody's not following the 24-hour rule. <laughs> <laughs> they, it feels like we're celebrating this one a little longer than than usual, which – you know, part of you is like, yeah, they deserve it. They they need to, you know, take an extra day to, you know, talk about the great game against the University of Alabama. But Ole Miss is a tricky team. You know, they've they've never faced a quarterback quite like Plumtree, man. And you, if you remember, Alabama had a little bit of a fit with this guy. That's when he first came on the scene. So this isn't. I'm not saying to put. I'm not putting LSU on on upset alert. But they're about to face a quarterback that is more that is physically gifted and and can make things happen. And that's what scares me when you still hearing comments about last week's ball game, you know, and, and it's not going to stop. They're still going to do it for the next few. If you keep fueling that fire, you keep letting the media do this and let your players just start reading their clippings and Joe's won the Heisman. Next thing you know, you got a team like Ole Miss that has nothing to lose. They have got to win out to make a ball game. They're coming in with a chip on the shoulder. They're just coming off a 41-3 victory over, yes, New Mexico State. But these guys are playing uh, They're playing fantastic. They, they kept it a ball game against the University of Auburn, a team that we're saying is going to give Georgia a fit. So you mm-hmm. cannot overlook Ole Miss. Well, let's kick it over to Coach O'Shane because that's a lot of what he was asked about on his players buying into the message to keep things focused, not buying into his own hype. And then I just thought this was kind of great. Obviously, LSU's getting all this hype, all these accolades, and they deserve all of it. Not saying they don't, uh, but, you know, huge part of that. Steve Ensminger, I think he's kind of lost in the shuffle. I know I thought that was a that was a strange, strange hire when Coach O named this guy the offensive coordinator. And then finally, <laughs> on keeping Joe Brady, that's going to be a priority moving forward for LSU. Coach, uh, sometimes when players say things, it seems like maybe they don't mean it. But your guys saying, we haven't arrived, this is not our end goal, Joe Burrow, Rashard yeah. Lawrence, them saying, it seems like they believe it. Do, yes. Do you, do you get that, that they believe. They believe that we're going to win all week. Uh, they know the uh, what we're shooting for. We don't talk about it. But, you know, and, uh, but we want to win. We want to win, and, and don't miss it our way. That's it. We want to win. Coach, yeah. uh, as a freshman, my first LSU game was 1977. Ensminger was the quarterback. Carlos Carson caught five touchdowns. It was 77 to nothing. 
We never thought we'd see what we're seeing now, though, and I'm just curious because he was already here. Uh, we can't talk to him, but what is what is Steve saying about how this has been and his role in it? Uh, and what would you say about him, the conversations you're having and his role? About the job Steve is doing? Phenomenal. He's like our general in there. He's steady. Uh, Steve doesn't want any credit. Uh, Steve loves the LSU Tigers. I'll never forget the day that we hired him. I mean, we need him offensive coordinator, and he said, I'm going to do it. And people don't believe I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, and he's doing it. And I think it was a great victory for him. Uh, you know, coming back on – well, going on the plane, I, I told him how I felt. I felt that uh, we got our guns loaded. We're going to win this football game. I felt confident. And I told that to several coaches. And when we got back, there was, uh, I guess, several thousand fans at the airport where he said, man, I ain't never seen nothing like this before. So he's very proud, but he's humble. He's on the work today. You know, don't want any credit. Just go on the work. Let's go beat Ole Miss. Uh, you know, Steve's very mature, very smart. Uh, he's a team player. Uh, he's let Joe be involved as much as I've ever seen an offensive coordinator, let a passing game coordinator be involved. Uh, very unselfish, much like our team. Coach, you, you, uh, you kept Dave Aranda from Texas A&M. Um, are you confident you can keep Joe Brady from, from leaving? And what, what might that entail? You know, uh, you know this, this is Joe's first full-time job. And uh, I do believe he's very loyal to LSU. I do believe he likes what's going on at LSU. And obviously, we're going to compete to keep him. A guy like that is going to have opportunities, but we're going to compete as best as we can to keep him. All those things are going to happen after the season. Uh, we want, you know, Joe, Joe's worried about breaking down Ole Miss's coverages right now, so he, he's not even thinking about that stuff. But after the season, you know, we have coaches that, that, that are going to get uh, chances to go elsewhere. But the ones that we want to keep, we're going to fight like heck to keep them. Ed, uh, I saw a picture that people put signs in your yard congratulating you <laughs> after the game. Anybody ever put a for sale sign in your yard? Uh, no, I don't think they had the to do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, to, to, to that end, you, you've seen both sides of yes. this. You know, you, you've, you've had the praise. You've had the criticism. Sure. The, you, know, every, every, you know everyone's loving you and your team right yeah. now. But does, does this help? motivate you and drive you to know you're only as good as your last game, your last season? No question. No question. you got to keep going. And, and, and Pete Carroll told me this. Ed, don't read it. When you do well, it's going to make you too high. When you do low, it's going to make you too low. you got to stay in the middle. got to stay in the middle. So I just stay in the middle. Stay in the middle. And it's not about me. It's about our team. Uh, there's a lot of good things that have happened to us. we got Joe Brady. We've got Joe Burrow. Uh, we've got an excellent staff. Uh, this is, this is just a culmination of a lot of hard work. All right, Shane, so we hit on it there. Ole Miss, dangerous team. And don't forget that Auburn game, that Ole Miss, you know, they had the ball, last possession to win it. That was on the mm -hmm. road, so they're getting them in Oxford. Like you said, I mean, by no means are we putting them on upset alert or anything, but this is just going to be – this just feels like a trap game. And based on just everything I heard from Coach O today – Seems like he's he's saying he's not buying into his own hype, but uh, I don't know. I mean, if that just it's just going to keep building there in Baton Rouge. Well, yeah, and I, I think of that. You know, what was it? The Northwestern State game when it was like, I mean, it was t almost tied up at halftime. You know, and that, mm -hmm. there's just been some games that they've played this season that they just weren't able to come out of the gates firing on all cylinders. Even the Mississippi State game a while back. You know, I. I 
felt like they gave, that was didn't a they give game. I think they gave up uh, thirty eight to Vanderbilt. Yeah, I mean you can't you can't do that, and, and and I mean it's any given Saturday, and again we're not putting one upset alert, but they're still they're still soaking up that victory, and you got to be careful because it's one week at a time. I mean the bullseye's on your back, LSU. You are the number, you are the top dog in the nation, and that means you're going to get the best. You're going to get the best from Ole Miss. You're going to get the best from Arkansas. You're going to get the best from Texas A&M. Everybody wants to see you slip up here at the end. And don't, you know, and it can happen. Well, let's kick it on to the other side of this one, Shane. Let's jump on down to Oxford. Matt Luke met with the media here, and we'll get to that in just a second. But remember, Ole Miss still eligible to make a bowl, well, still on track to be eligible for a bowl game if they win out. Obviously, this is going to be the damn. This, this will be tougher than the damn bowl game that wherever it is if they end up going. But mm-hmm. it's got to start here. Senior night in Ole Miss. You got to hand it to basically everybody that's a senior on this roster. Shane, these are guys that stuck it out when remember they could have left the program like so many others have. And Matt Luke kind of hits on that. How big of a game will this be? And you know, there's still doubts about Matt Luke. You know, if, if they get blown out here, there's no guarantee Matt Luke's coming back. They turn around and get blown out in the Egg Bowl, he may not be coming back. So they, not saying he has to win this to, to keep his job, but I think he's at least got to keep it competitive. So these seniors, Matt Luke, everyone on this Oxford program, how big of a game is it for them and how much motivation do you think they're going to have going up uh, wanting to prove themselves and you know we talk we've, we've hit this several times this year but this roster is so damn young they got mm-hmm. freshmen and redshirt freshmen all over the the roster sometimes you know when they say you're too dumb not to know what you don't know I mean I think that's the the best part about having a young team where I don't think they're going to be scared I don't think they're going to be intimidated because I don't think you know they, they've not faced a, a team they've not faced this LSU team and they're just gonna they're just gonna go out there and have some fun. And if they have some success, I mean, who knows what could happen? Yeah, seriously. I mean, which defense are you more worried about, Auburn or LSU right now? Definitely um, Auburn. Exactly. So, so I mean, what is this? This offense has nothing to lose. Just go out there and have some fun. And and if things work out in your favor, then you come away with a victory. And if not, then you know what? Who cares? It's a what do you got to lose? They got nothing to lose. So let's kick it over to Matt Luke Shane talking about Joe Burrow, how to slow down the guy that's probably going to win the Heisman Trophy. And then on the senior night, sending those kids out the right way and, and just really trying to really focus in, try to get back to a bowl game, something that, remember, Ole Miss been ineligible to do for years and years. So uh, this will be huge for them to finally make it to the postseason. Matt, you brought up Burrow. Just what do you tell your players about preparing for a guy who's been so efficient this year? Is getting all this Heisman hype? How do you kind of prepare them? Yeah, to, I mean, to you, got, you, got a, you got you uh, got ten games, nine games worth of uh, tape to watch, and just try to find out ways to, to slow him down. We got to get some pressure on him, try to get him out of his comfort zone a little bit, and then uh, obviously make plays when we have to. When, when the plays are there, we got to make them. If we have opportunity for an interception, we need to make it. Have opportunity to hold him to a field goal in the red zone. Uh, you know that those will be huge, and every. Every play will be critical. And just like, you know, coming down the stretch, we got to prepare. And when those plays come in the game that, that could go either way, we got we to gotta make the 50-50 play. And that, that'll be huge. And, and again, we're playing at home. We'll, we'll feed off our home crowd. And we've, we've played well at home on defense. So uh, I would expect that to continue. 
Matt, along those lines and talking about those seniors, uh, there are a couple of different paths that you guys might could find your way into a bowl game, uh, whether it's reaching six wins or using the APR route to get in there. How important would that be for those kids who've never got to experience that during their Ole Miss careers? Yeah, I, th I think it's huge. That was the goal coming into the season was to try to get this program back to postseason. And we have two games left, and that's what we want to do. We want to win both of them. And, it, you know, again, it starts for us to focus on this week. And, and, again, if it comes down to it at the end, we'll focus on it then. But right now we have to focus on LSU and trying to find a way to win this football game. All right, Shane, so Matt Luke, when he's whispering there, you can tell he's <laughs> fired up. <laughs> but uh you know that's that's important and, and keep in mind Ole Miss is there Ole Miss should be one of those teams Shane that will be on the bubble even if they're five and seven if you have the right APR I believe they do so losing this game is not going to necessarily totally eliminate them from postseason play but you're really putting it you're putting yourself in a tough position when you do that there's no guarantees there so Certainly they're not going in this game thinking ABR is going to save them. They've got to play, put it all on the line Saturday night, and I really expect them to do it in the final home game of the season. For sure. I mean, senior not, absolutely. I think they're going to come out swinging, and like you said, they've got nothing to lose. Uh, the, the one thing, let me ask you, though, I, I'm seeing Rich Rod's name float around quite a mm -hmm. bit. Do you think there's a chance he's taking a head coaching job after this season? I mean, I always think there's a chance, but I would, I would bet that he'll be back for another season. I was gonna say another year with Plumtree. I think I would take another season. You know, right? And I think his offense has shown enough to where people get excited about it, mm -hmm. but they're still they're not very balanced, and yeah. the players are still adjusting to it. I think with everything Ole Miss should have coming back next season, this could be one of the SEC's best offenses. Mm -hmm. And then that's when Rich Rod could really have some good offers rolling in. So if you know that's if that's how I'm looking at it, if they get a guarantee that Matt Luke's coming back, I think if I'm Rich Rod, I'm sticking it out for at least one more year to, and, and kind of improve my stock. Yeah, I'm with you, man. All right, Shane. Last matchup here. We're going to break down on this episode. Let's jump on down to Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide. Where Alabama's traveling to Mississippi State, and there's been plenty of years where Alabama coming off a very physical LSU game just has a lot of trouble with Mississippi State, in particular in Starkville. Now, I know everyone's going to be thinking this is going to be another layup for the Crimson Tide, but we all know two is banged up. Alabama's having a lot of issues stopping the run. Mississippi State just beat the hell out of Arkansas. I had two weeks to prepare for this game. I know it's Arkansas, but it all started – you know, with Tommy Stevens hitting those downfield throws, I mean, what is it that – I mean, now Alabama's – it looks like they can be hit within the passing game too. <laughs> they got Kylan Hill. He may be the best running back in the SEC. If they can get that ground game going, if Tommy Stevens is hitting those downfield passes, if Alabama's – you know, we talked about LSU coming off of, you know, trying to get up for this Ole Miss game. How, how up is Alabama going to be to face Mississippi State? I don't know. Thoughts on this matchup, Shane? Yeah, this is another another interesting one. I, I I think if Tommy comes out playing like he did last week, I think Mississippi State could – I don't know. I, I don't want to put Bam on it again, kind of like LSU. I don't want to put him on upset alert or anything like that. But 
you know, it just feels like some of their pieces are starting to come together at the right time. But my question is, uh, honestly, what about Tua? I mean, do you think there's a chance that they sit Tua? I mean, if they're going to make a push into the playoffs, or do you think the fact that he played last week, it's it's pretty much, you know, because Saban came out and said he's he was healthy-ish, then we're going to give him a rest day. But do you think that uh, there's a chance that they rest him? Yeah, that's interesting. I think it all depends on how his ankle responds. Mm-hmm. I think this could certainly be a game. I don't expect him to sit, but I think we could we could see a heavy dose of Mac Jones in this one. Uh, I think if they're going to sit two at any point coming up, I think it's going to be this following game against Western Carolina. Get him rested up for the Iron Bowl. I think uh, you know unless he's that's what I unless mean, he's in pain. Yeah. You know? That's what I was thinking. I was like, if they could rest him this week and next week, mm-hmm. you know, that gives him plenty of time to get ready for Auburn and potentially a playoff push. So, uh, I mean, you're playing with fire. Um, not saying that, like I said, with we saw what happened when two is not in there. There's this still is a serviceable offense. This is, you know, uh, I mean, I thought they looked fantastic out there. So I'm, I'm not worried if that's if that's what they if coach decides to do that. But I don't know. It's just something I was just thinking about earlier, and uh, because you, you need him at a hundred percent if he's going to the playoffs. If he's just going to keep fighting through this thing, it's going to be kind of like last season, and mm-hmm. you know he was really struggling toward the end of the Clemson game. Well, let's kick it over to Nick Saban, Shane, who talked about Tua's status moving forward on on how many missed tackles his defense had last game remember like i said they're playing kylan hill they're probably going to see a dose of uh, garrett schrader and even tommy stevens likes to run so that could be a real issue in this one and then on facing this mississippi state uh, quarterbacks just how did Tua come out of this game from the health standpoint uh he's a little sore as to be expected you know we did all the medical research that you could do on him to find out if he did any damage or hurt himself in any way, shape, or form, and he did not. Um, so uh, we'll manage the soreness. It may give him a day off today and, um, you know, sort of start him back, you know, tomorrow a little bit. So we'll just have to manage it day to day, and he should respond each and every week. But this, the situation that he's in is very much expected, and he doesn't have any further issues. When you watch the film, what did you see from the open field tackling from your defenders on Saturday? Uh, we missed 25 tackles in the game. So what, what what did you see? I mean, I'm sure you saw the same thing I saw. We missed a lot of tackles. Um, and I think you have to give credit to, um, you know, their back made us miss tackles. And, and at times we did a, a poor job of tackling. And um, I think those – you know, we went into the game and made the statement several times that it's going to be important to tackle well in space in this game. Uh, and that's one of the things that we didn't get accomplished very well. Um, Coach, looking at Mississippi State, they seem to have a one quarterback who's more of a runner, one who's more of a passer. How do you prepare for them defensively? Well, I, I don't really think that um, I see a lot of difference in what they do, whichever quarterback plays. I mean, they kind of run their offense. Uh, they run a lot of quarterback runs with both guys. Uh, and they run the same kind of passing game with both guys. So I don't really see a significant difference in what they do when those two guys play. Um, I think they're both very capable guys. They're both big guys. Uh, and they have running ability. And, you know, they're both, you know, good passers. 
So, um, you know, it's, it's a different kind of offense to defend because of the quarterback runs, uh, but it's something that we need to do a good job of run and pass. All right, Shane. So, yeah, based on what Nick Saban had to say there, I kind of, you know, I see what you're getting at there. It just it's a very precarious position to be in. I mean, you don't want to have to be giving your quarterback days off. I mean, he's missing out prep. Uh, How's that going to affect him on Saturday? I mean, I certainly think two is good enough to where he can miss a day or two. Mm -hmm. and It's it's not going to hurt him a a ton, but if he's not able to go at any point or anything like that, uh, I don't know. This could be, I don't know. This could be an interesting one. Mississippi State, though, on the other side, you know, it's always, has been playing Alabama pretty tough of late. I mean, if you kind of look at, I mean, just the last 10 times that they've played, there's been some really close ball games. We had 24 nothing last year, but if you remember the year before when they were at Mississippi, uh, it's 31-24. It was a one-score, you know, game. So Mississippi State always plays Bama tough, and it just seems like they always kind of hang in there and, and and give Bama a fit. So uh, are they able to continue that trend this year? I, I mm-hmm. think I think so. I think Alabama's going to be a little bit hungover coming into this game. Well, let's jump on down to Starkville. Yeah. Joe Moorhead met with the media here on Monday, and remember, you know, it wasn't that long ago where – I'm not saying everyone's back on the Joe boat or anything, but, you know, speculation on if he may leave, if Mississippi State's, you know, looking to replace him. I certainly don't think Mississippi State is a program that's, you know, willing to kick this guy to the curb after only two years based on everything we've seen. I mean, he's won a couple SEC games here, but this game could go a long way to getting some of that good faith back, particularly if he somehow shocks the world and beats Alabama, I mean, something Dan Mullen never did is beat Alabama as Mississippi State's head coach. So that's something to consider there. Uh, so let's kick it over to Joe Moorhead, Shane. On He's playing it coy on his quarterback rotation, mm-hmm. on uh, being a little bit more aggressive like they were against LSU. They're going to have that same game plan against Alabama on facing these uh, Crimson Tide receivers. And then finally on the confidence gained, from just beating the hell out of Arkansas two weeks ago before heading into that bye? Obviously, uh, you may be wanting to keep it close to the vest. Don't know, but but your quarterback situation this week, given how well Tommy played in his last outing, I know Garrett has some health issues too. Yep. Anything anything to announce there as far as a starter or just what your plans may be at quarterback? Yeah, we're listed as an or right now, and the good news is that Garrett's back to being you know completely healthy. So uh, we went through practice yesterday. Both the guys got reps. You know, Tommy got most of the ones with the ones and Garrett with the twos. You know, but we're going to continue to progress it through and see how Garrett's kind of coming along. And and obviously, I think the um, the Arkansas game was the first one where Tommy was completely healthy for for quite a time. So seeing so seeing him throw it accurately, create explosive plays, and more than anything, seeing him run the ball was was good. So we'll we'll you know you know keep practicing them, keep giving them reps during the week, and you know may, maybe one, maybe the other, you know maybe both. So uh, we'll just see how it goes. Joe, in the LSU game, you came out aggressive with some trick plays early and kind of played like you guys had nothing to lose. Is the plan to come out and keep that same aggression early? Yeah, I think so. And I think you talk about you know what your ident- what you want the identity of the offense, the defense, and special teams to be. It's where where you're the hammer, not the nail. And I think in a game where maybe I guess we're three touchdown underdogs at home to one of the you know top teams in the conference and in the country, I don't think you could go in playing not to lose. I think you have to go into the game trying to win. So whatever we need to do by hook or by crook in all three phases, if it's trick plays, if it's not trick plays, if it's doing what we do normally, you know, even better. But uh, but but we're not, like I said, we're not going to go into this game cautious. We're not going to go into it nervous. We're not going to go in scared. We're going to go into win the game. 
you've already seen a prolific receiving core in LSU and kind of similar challenge to what Alabama brings. How do those compare, and is there anything you can draw from that sort of experience to what you'll see on Saturday? Yeah, I think they're, you know, you, you watch the LSU-Alabama game, and they put kind of some of the numbers up. I think statistically they're, they're probably pretty even, and, and you, they probably even go four deep when you include Waddle in there. But, you know, Coach Sarkeesian does a great job mixing kind of RPO spread and pro-style concepts. You know, you got one of the top quarterbacks, you know, Heisman candidate in the backfield throwing them the ball. You know, they protect it up very well, and, you know, all four guys can stretch the field horizontally, vertically, and make people miss. So I, I think it will be as uh, tough of a challenge as the LSU game was. Obviously, the numbers you put up against Arkansas, a lot of people will look at that and, and end the sentence, well, it was Arkansas. But from a confidence standpoint, how much did that give your guys showing what they can do when things are executing right? And how much can you carry that over into Alabama? Yeah, I, I think when you kind of look at it, you know, from an eye test and, and certainly a number standpoint, when you look at, you know, SEC only games from a st statistical standpoint offensively, you know, I think we're seventh in the conference right now in scoring offense, where last year we were towards the bottom. And, and same thing with passing offense and rushing offense. I guess over the last two games, 54 and 30. So, you know, that's, that's 42 a game and, you know, have had some decent outputs against, uh, you know, some other teams in the conference. But I think you can see we're continuing to grow every single week. And, uh, you know, obviously it's a, uh, you know, a huge challenge against a, a defense of this caliber. You know, very well coached, a lot of talent on all three levels. But I think, I don't want to say necessarily hitting stride, but, you know, every week we continue to grow. You know, our kids are gaining more and more confidence in what we're doing. And I think yeah, as, as it's year two in the offense, you're seeing some of those things from a growth standpoint that are, uh, you know, showing up on game day. All right, Shane, so these Mississippi State players have had some time to reflect and, and rest up after, you know, really, I don't want to say they were ever not bought in. I think uh, they've always fought hard for Joe Moorhead, but – it's just so hard in the SEC season to keep grinding when you're losing a game. Mm -hmm. But when you go out and blow someone out on the road, then you come home, get two weeks to prepare. I mean, there is a lot to be gained here for Mississippi State, even if they just have a solid showing here against Alabama. I mean, that could kind of really springboard them. Kind of like, you know, just look at uh, no further than your squad, Shane. I mean, Tennessee played Alabama tough. And I think that's given them confidence for this hot start or hot mm -hmm. couple of recent weeks here. I think Mississippi State, if they play this right, they could do something similar. I think that I honestly, I think I hope that they were watching this week's game against Kentucky and Tennessee. You know, here's Kentucky had two weeks to prepare for Tennessee, and man, they came out with new stuff. Even though it's like old school wishbone, it was still something <laughs> that Tennessee didn't have film on. So I, I hope that's what Mississippi State does is, you know, Alabama has had trouble stopping the run. They had trouble doing it last week, you know. You've got one of the best running backs in the nation. So let's let's find some ways to get these quarterbacks mobile. Let's find some ways to put Alabama in, in uncomfortable positions and really take the clock you know, by storm. I mean, you know, this is one of those games that, hey, if you're if you got to go three, four yards at a time, that's what we'll do. Keep moving the chains, keep chewing the clock, keep the defense on the field. They're already exhausted from last week. Your guys had two weeks to prepare for this thing. That's what I think Mississippi State should do. Mm -hmm. All right, Shane, you ready? To, I know this is one of your favorite topics. You ready to talk some hot seat? Oh, I love hot seat. Let's do it, Mike. Oh my God, we're burning alive! Fire! 
damn hot, real hot. Hot in this is my shorts, I can cook things in it. Little crotch pot cooking. Well, can you tell me what it feels like? Fool, what is hot? I told you again. When you're born on the sun, it's damn hot. All right, Shay, we're down here in Columbia, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. I know this is something we hit on in the last pod. You know, I'm a, I'm a believer that they got to give Muschamp another year. You know, I wouldn't be shocked if they let him go. But uh, uh, let's let me say this, Shane. Mike Gillespie of ABC Columbia has reported here on Monday that Will Muschamp is expected to return as the Gamecocks coach. It sounds like they're, they're getting out ahead of this uh, pot seat talk. But uh, Gillespie of ABC Columbia also added that uh, he expects some changes on the coaching staff. I think that's kind of inevitable at this point. Fans are so, so damn pissed at what's going on here. And then how about this comment, Shane? This is uh, the Appalachian State coach, Eli Drinkwitz. Apparently after this game, Shane, now I don't have the the audio here, but uh, this is apparently what he said about South Carolina. Coach Muschamp's salary is probably bigger than my football budget. The South Carolina football budget is greater than our entire athletic department's budget. They have some massive advantages, but we have elite talent and a team that believes... And, you know, that's not like a huge shot at South Carolina and Will Muschamp, or particularly Will Muschamp, but it is, I think, a damning comment when a Sunbelt team, you know, he's basically saying our guys, you know, play harder and and believe in all this, and South Carolina doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know, Shane, what are your thoughts on on all this going on? It sounds like South Carolina is going to remain committed to Will Muschamp for now. Now, certainly if they get blown out against A&M and Clemson, maybe that changes. But uh, it's just never good once you got the, the hot seat kind of going here in mid-November and you're facing some <laughs> critical games down the stretch. Absolutely, man. This is, you know, and there's a lot of people that are out almost champ, but when they realize they just can't buy him out, they're just – well, let's at least get an offensive coordinator. You know, it's like, all right, plan B. So uh, I saw a, a buddy of mine sent me an interesting tweet as well uh, from Avery Wilkes. And it, it's talking about the buyout and the trustees uh, doubt the school itself can afford it. One trustee told Lucas Dupriel, if I had to do it over again, I would never have a buyout like this again. So it's just like, what kind of message are we sending out there. I mean, they don't realize that Muschamp is almost like a dead man walking. Like, we can't afford to fire him now, but when we can, <laughs> you know, I mean, how, how are you going to get recruits to commit to four or five years with that coach if that is hanging over his head? Yeah, I mean, that's a tough one, Shane. And I don't know, it's just kind of, I still believe you got to give him another, well, I still believe they should give him another year. Do you but think then that, you, you got these Appy State coach basically calling him out here. Yeah, that's that's I mean, that's it's it's a tough one. So I mean they've got to keep fighting hard for him. I've not seen anything that suggests South Carolina won't. I mean, I thought outside of the the offensive line, and I, I don't know, maybe they were just getting schemed, you know, out schemed or what have you, but it still seems like they're fighting hard for Will Muschamp, and I think that's critical. You just don't want to see these damn blowouts It's it, like we were seeing at Arkansas, and that was a big reason why a change had to be made there. Honestly, it, you know what I thought it was? I thought South Carolina didn't play all the players because they thought they could beat this team. You know, they really need them 
to make mm-hmm. a to 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 make a bowl game. They really needed them for that Texas A&M game. They needed them healthy, and it was almost like you know what? I'm looking at the tape. We're so much bigger. We're having no trouble running the ball. Let's just keep some of these. Let's keep Shy Smith out. Let's let's keep you know. Let's let's just play conservative. Let's get to next week, and then we'll we'll you know unleash on Texas A&M. And it's just. It felt like that was kind of, and I may be, I mean, I'm just making all this, uh, that's just, just me guessing how it went down. But it just, I, if you ask those players, I wonder how many of those would have been ready to play. Could Feaster come in, you know, could Shy play if needed, you know, it just makes you wonder. That There's no hot seat in Arkansas anymore, Shane, because the coach is gone. <laughs> but the Razorbacks did hold a press conference here on Monday, and it was uh, A.D. Hunter Juracek who kind of really broke down. He went into a lot of in-depth. I mean, this was a long presser. Uh, so we, we, we're going to play a couple of his clips. I thought the highlights of it, but a lot of interesting comments here, Shane, from the Arkansas A.D., and I thought he came away very impressive. You know, I mean, it's it's just out there talking, but it didn't seem like the moment was too big for him. I've seen other some of these other guys how they handle themselves in these situations. I'm specifically thinking of uh, Tennessee former Tennessee AD John Curry. I mean, that guy was just like a joke. Where it really seems like Hunter Yurichek has got his head on straight. Seems like there's a plan. And remember, this is the guy Shane. That, uh, you know, say what you will about Tom Herman. This is Mm. the guy that first hired him at Houston, and they had a ton of success. So he's got, you know, a history of of winning football coaching hires. He did not hire Chad Morris. That's an important note to make. So before anyone says, well, (laughs) he did not hire Chad Morris. uh, But he did hire, obviously, the basketball coach, Eric Musselman, who obviously we don't follow basketball here, but from all indications, that's – is going really well. I know he's oh, just started. Have, have you seen his hot videos? He's coming out like, <laughs> this is one of many wins, you know? <laughs> it's like, you haven't seen him once with Morris, you know? <laughs> but that's just to say, it seems like he really knows what he's doing. So got to have some confidence in the search. Uh, so let's kick it over to uh, Hunter Yurichich, who, like I said, this is a long one, but I just thought uh, these were the highlights of what he had to say. I think uh, all Arkansas fans would appreciate these comments. I thought our football program had taken some steps backwards in the past few weeks. I had one goal for our football program, one main goal for our football program as we headed into this season. It was a simple goal. I wanted us to be competitive game in, game, game in and game out. Not to win the Southeastern Conference, but be, to be competitive game in and game out. And I think that was clear over the past couple of weeks uh, that we were no longer competitive. And a big thing about that is our student athletes. Those 120 men worked their tails off for nine months to have the reward and the opportunity to put on that uniform on 12 Saturdays during the fall. And that should be a rewarding experience for them. That should be something that they enjoy. And as I spent time with our student athletes before, during and after games, I got the sense that they were no longer enjoying that experience on Saturdays. And as I begin this search, I have no doubt that we will have a very strong candidate pool for this head coaching position. Why do I believe that? First, we are the University of Arkansas. We have a very proud and storied tradition within our football program. That includes 42 bowl games. 
a national championship, 13 conference championships, multiple All-Americans and Hall of Fame inductees. We have, we have and we offer our student athletes some of the best facilities in the country. We compete in the Southeastern Conference and we have a passionate fan base that so desperately wants for this program to be successful. Hey Hunter, uh, when did you make the decision to pull the trigger on Chad? And what can you tell the fans about your pool of candidates that you, I'm sure, already have in mind? Sure. Well, I made a definitive decision, Tom. Uh, after the game Saturday night, I went up and visited uh, with the chancellor at his residence and made a recommendation to him uh, that he passed on to President Bobbitt and the board. And so that's when definitively the final decision was made. And um, as will be the case uh, throughout this entire process, I'm not going to comment on anyone who could or will not be a potential candidate for this job other than to say we will have a very strong candidate pool. I understand you're not going to give us a list of names, but do you want? Do you feel like it's important you get a, a guy that's a sitting head coach? Uh, was a, would a coordinator, coordinators be considered? Maybe guys, former head coaches who have been out of the business for a while. Just what, what kind of pool are you looking at? All of the above, Bob. I mean, I want to get the best person in here to lead our football program. So on that list you mentioned, um, current sitting head coaches, coordinators, former head coaches, all of those will be considered. Hunter, a lot of criticism maybe on just the timeline of not giving enough time to head coaches. What was it that you saw that showed you that time wasn't going to be the right fit here? The competitive nature of our football program. Again, I didn't have tremendously high expectations for us this season. Uh, one of those expectations was for us to go out each and every Saturday and compete uh, like the Razorback football program should compete. And I thought uh, we were no longer doing that. And I don't think that takes time to motivate the players within your program to compete. Have you gotten a sense that, you know, donors and boosters are fully committed to doing whatever it takes to get the best guy in here? Um, I would say that the, our Razorback um, nation is fully committed to getting the best person in here. I think that we all desperately want our football program to be great again. Hunter, after turning this coach over in less than two years and looking like that is going to be you know, more prevalent in college football as we move forward. How do you assure the next head coach that they're going to get the time to build this program and really take them in the direction that you want Arkansas football to go? That's that's my job to sell them on that. And, I mean, quite honestly, um, I know I've got to get this search right. Um, we cannot afford, as a Department of Athletics, to go through this two to three years from now. Um, this gives the timing of this change gives me a little bit longer runway to really do my due diligence on this search and make sure that we get the right candidate in here and then we allow that right candidate the time they need to build a program. Obviously, it's going to take steps. First, That first step is we've just got to be competitive. We've got to put a competitive product out on that field that we all feel proud to support Saturday after Saturday. And then from that competitiveness will become wins, and those wins will start to, start to multiply year after year. But the first thing is we've just got to put a competitive product out there in the field. The, the time frame, obviously, um, the early signing period is key because we've got some recruits that have committed to the University of Arkansas that we want to retain. Um, and we want to give our new coaching staff an opportunity to recruit additionally prior to that signing day. And so um, giving them a, a, a runway to do that is important. But I think we've given ourselves a runway that we're not going to be in a rush. We've still got three weeks left in the regular season, another week um, for conference championship games. So we, we've got a little bit of time to get this search done the right way and get the right person in here and still allow them time to recruit. Hunter, did you have a list of specific names that you want to go after before firing Morris, or are you really going into it cold? 
Um, I have developed a list of candidates, absolutely. Um, but what I haven't done, because I didn't think that's the right thing to do when I still have a head coach, I didn't put any feelers out to say who's interested. I think that's not fair to Coach Morris for me to um, to go out behind his back and see who may be interested in the position, why I still have a sitting head coach. But I will start that t today and work into the list of candidates that have done up to see who truly is interested. All right, Shane, so you know, a lot to unpack there. But, uh, you know, the decision on why to fire Chad Morris and how it got done and the candidate pool that will be coming here. Uh, what was your reaction to hearing all this from uh, Hunter Juracic? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is – they just want to win, Mike, you know. I mean, that's what it pulls it, – it all comes down to wins and losses. And, you know, I, I think he just had a long stare at the future with Coach Morris at the helm and didn't like what he saw. And, I mean – we didn't like what he what we saw. You know, the fans, there was a lot of fans didn't like what they – and then when you're watching this game, Western Kentucky, and there is nobody at the stadium, guess what, man? That's money that that university's not making. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So I, I think it was it was pretty obvious what was going to happen here. Uh, that the, the time was up. and The gig is up. You know, he was not – he was not producing. He was not developing. It'd be one thing if, if you know, we were getting better ball games toward the end of the season, but it felt like we were going the opposite direction. And I think you're right. I think the locker – I think he was – he kind of hit on it there. You know, the locker room felt divided. It, it felt like these players weren't given everything they had, you know, and, and, and that's on the coach, man. If coach can't motivate, can't get the players to give everything they got during a game, then that's on the staff. So uh, I think this was something that was going to happen. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that it happened midseason, but when you get your ass kicked by Western Kentucky, that speeds a lot of things up, Mike. Mm -hmm. And from things I've heard, Shane, kind of like you're saying there, locker room divided. I think there certainly was a divide based on everything I've heard from kind of the Chad Morris guys and the Brett Bielema guys. And, I mean, that's – that is not unheard of. I mean, that basically happens everywhere. That's why mm -hmm. you see all these defections when new coaches hires. But you just you don't want to see that two years into a thing. And another big thing that I think really, in hindsight, doomed Chad Morris from what I've heard, Shane, Nick Starkle, the guy that I said was going to win the quarterback competition, apparently he did win it, Shane. But Chad Morris stuck with a guy he knew – the guy that got beaten out in fall camp went to Ben Hicks, and I'm not trying to trash Ben Hicks or anything, but I think that's just—I mean, that's just one thing Chad Morris is going to have to live with. He made the wrong decision. We've seen that on the field, and it just goes to him not knowing what the hell he's doing at the quarterback position when he's supposed to be a quarterback guru, and mm -hmm. I think that's going to be his legacy there at Arkansas. And uh, speak, staying on this topic, Shane, I just wanted to throw these out. Now, I never put too much stock into these things, but they are fun to discuss. A bet online, the online sports book, mm -hmm. they released the very first coaching odds for the next <laughs> Arkansas <laughs> coach. And uh, John Gruden's not on the list, thankfully, Shane. <laughs> but I'm just going to go down the list here, Shane, of uh, the, starting with the guy that has the best odds currently and just go down the list. Uh, the Memphis coach, Mike Norvell, 2-1. to one. Mm. So that, that seems to be everybody's favorite right now for this job. Uh, Eli Drinkowitz at Appalachian State coach, 3-1. to one. So that's an interesting one. Mm. Lane Kiffin, Shane, 4-1. Uh -oh. 
that that would be I don't know I don't I don't know how I feel about that the one. lane train in Arkansas <laughs> I like it the UAB coach Shane Bill Clark five to one that guy's done an outstanding job there at UAB I do think he I think he would be a hell of a, a hell of a hire there for you know a, a program like Arkansas so that'll be interesting Mike Leach Shane six to one Ooh. Mm. Sonny Dykes the SMU coach also six to one it's kind of hard to imagine Arkansas would take a SMU coach twice, but that's interesting. And now here's when things are starting to get funky, Shane. Hugh Freeze, eight to one. Oh, mm. Hugh, the Reverend. Is, Gus... is he bring, they're bringing the bed with him. <laughs> <laughs> Gus Malzahn, twelve to one. Mm. And then I think you you'll really appreciate these two, Shane. Bobby Vitrino, eighteen to one, and Houston. Dale Nutt, 25 to 1. So like I said, I don't read too much into these things, but uh, thoughts on that list, Shane? Which one of those candidates seems the most realistic? And which coach will be the most fun? You know, honestly, realistically, I I think obviously they want Norvell. Uh, You're crazy not. To. He's right there in your backyard. They've been recruiting the same players. I, I, you know, he's a proven winner, and you know, I, I think he's just he's he's the. I think that's the one that everybody wants. But if you can't get somebody like that, don't get some joker from a mid-level conference. You know what I'm saying? You've done that road, and unless unless. It's Lane freaking Kiffin, all right? And the reason why I like that is because you want to talk about exciting. Nobody's talking about Arkansas. You're a laughing stock, you know? You get somebody like this, you get that recruiting buzz going on, you get players starting to come. Good, great talent creates great football teams, and that's something that Lane is able to do. Uh, Coach Leach, you know, I really – I think he would be exciting, obviously, you know, uh, I think he would be just really good for us, me and you, you know, so we can have more <laughs> clippings. But uh, I, I like to, I like bringing somebody in that is a proven coach. I don't, I don't want, I don't want another up and coming. I don't want somebody that's just, you know, that you know they they did great at SMU. Who gives a shit? You know what I'm saying? Get somebody in there that has won games, that has recruited athletes at a high level that's what you got to get and you know if 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 you can't you know i don't know you got to change things up because nobody wants to go to arkansas right now and they should because it's a great university Mm -hmm. i think uh, the most fun for me shane would be old houston nut i mean how great would that be Uh, (laughs) i I don't know you've done you've done more i do like how i'm not i'm not saying it's going to happen i'm not saying it should happen I'm just I'm just here for the pressers and uh, yeah. just his craziness, and I'm not I I really despise this guy, but I think probably the best overall coach on this list, Shane, mm-hmm. maybe outside of Mike Leach, Hugh Freeze. If you could get past all his troubles, I don't even think he, they would welcome him back in the SEC at this point. But that's interesting to me. How's he but, doing in Liberty? See, I mean, kept up with them. I think they're like six and three or something like, I mean, he's, he's doing it from the hospital bed up there. So, uh, I mean, he, he may be doing some shady stuff in the background, but he gets it done. But, uh, yeah, I think I'm right there with you. Mike Norvell, that's probably the best 
option on the board. That's probably the best Arkansas can do, all things considered. I think that would be a home run higher, but I just don't know at this point. He may be too hot of a candidate. Yeah. But if he wants to go back home, that would be a, a very, very solid choice. And, of course, you know I'm on the leech train, but I just it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks to see who they get. I think it's going to happen relatively quick, not saying – before the season's up, but I'm talking about as soon as you know these coaches finish with their seasons. Yeah. Given the fact Arkansas's given this head start, so to speak, they've got a AD that knows how to make a solid hire and make it quick. I do not think Arkansas is going to have to wait long, and uh, I'm just glad no one like Deion Sanders is a candidate for this one. <laughs> and you got to be fun and flashy, man. I mean, that's what I think. I know a lot of people want these old school coaches, and I, I I get that to an extent, you know. Hell, we got one here at Tennessee. Just you know, he's a good old boy. But there's 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 a part of you you're watching what's going on down there in LSU. You want to be a part of that too. Is this the next generation of college football? You know, catch it, catch it now. You know, don't don't be the fourth or fifth team that catches it. Or it, maybe it goes back to conservative offense and defense. Who knows? I mean, that's the the beauty of college football is it's always involved, evolving, you know. So, um, but I don't know. It just seems like right now, Arkansas is not a fun place to be, but they can be. They have been in the past, and and I think it's important that they do their due diligence when they're looking at a coaching uh, change here because the, you can't just bring some joker from Louisiana Tech, you know. We, you know. Trust me, you don't want to do that. Take your time, get the right coach for the job. And if you if you miss out the first recruiting class, who cares? You know what I'm saying? If 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 one, if Norvell wants to finish it at Memphis before he could come down, let him finish and then bring him down there and build something. And uh, and the great thing, Shane, it's not going to get any worse. Whoever they hire is going to be an upgrade, and I'm just I'm ready for Arkansas to be good at football again. Absolutely. All right, Shane, that's all I've got on this one. You got anything before we hop off here? Real quick, do you think uh, that's the only two coaches that are going to get fired? Because I think Mason's out. Well, you're saying two. You're saying two. Who was the, who was the second fired? Oh, I'm sorry. We, we talked about Muschamp. He's not getting fired. I, I think coordinator. Do you think there's a chance Muschamp gets fired? I think, like I said, if they get blown out these last two games, how you finish is very important. And that's a remember last year when he got humiliated there in the, against Virginia in that bowl game. Uh-huh. I mean, those things linger for the entire offseason. So I'm not saying he's got to beat Clemson or anything, but got to be competitive against Texas A&M and Clemson. And even if they do drop those, I'm not saying he's, they're going to get rid of them, but hell, if Clemson hangs, you know, 60 on you and you score three or something, that that could be the end of them. One last one. If if Barry loses out, do you think there's a chance he's gone? No. There's a lot of hot so. coming in this season, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's just a weird situation with the bowl issue and everything. Uh, I don't think Barry Odom at this point is on a hot seat. Okay. All right. I just like talking hot seat. You know me, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shay. That's going to do it for this one. Yeah, I'm sorry. One, I got one last thing. I, I did want to wish everybody a, a happy Veterans Day. I know we've got a lot of military that listens to the podcast. Uh, our brother, my brother, your cousin's one of them. Joe, love you, brother. I appreciate everything that the, the military's done for us. Absolutely, Shane. Well said. All right, that's going to do it for us. 
Thanks for joining me as always, Shane. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls. <laughs>